Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Thad Hate. And I'm Carl Wonders. And we're talking Octopussy. Would you say this film reaches an all-time high for you? <sighs> I would say that if we were on our friends Brandon and Zach's podcast, Franchise Fatigue, mm-hmm. we would both say that the franchise is fatigued. I would agree with that. And so is the star at this point. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yes. And it's not even his last movie. Okay, so here's a thing. Back in... Back when we were talking about the last couple Sean Connery movies, we talked about how ancient he looked. Right. When he was in his 30s. When he was in his 30s, <laughs> which is still amazing to me. Now, fast forward 20 years, and um, Sean Connery was in a Bond movie this same year. Because, mm-hmm. not an official one, but Never Say Never Again came out this year. He yes. looks younger than in that movie when he's playing retired James Bond than Roger Moore does as active service James Bond in this movie. I agree with that completely. Like, they have swapped in their appearance. Like, in the early 70s, Roger Moore looked way younger than Sean Connery, despite being older. But Moore aged a lot more than Connery did over these last decade. Right. He did. I mean, to be fair, he's in his mid-50s here. Yeah, he is. Um, But yeah, so, no, I agree with that completely. And uh, Sean Connery looks younger in Never Say Never Again than he did in Diamonds Are Forever. I think we talked about that when we did Diamonds Are Forever. Yes. (laughs) Um. He looks less like Richard Nixon in Never Say Never Again. Sean Connery is definitely more in shape than I think he was probably going back to Thunderball or even Goldfinger uh, in Never Say Never Again, surprisingly. And yeah, Roger Moore is just, he's becoming ancient at this point. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, and I wouldn't even say Roger Moore's out of shape. He's in the same, he's the same physique he's had since the beginning, but he Mm -hmm. has just... He's an elder statesman now. Yeah. And I went ahead and started watching View to a Kill. And mm-hmm. I, I would I would wager to bet that Sir Roger Moore had a bit of work done in between those films. Because I think he actually looks a little bit better for in some ways uh, in that well, movie. Well, he had the mole removed. He had the mole removed, but I think he, he's his face a little tighter look. I don't know. Maybe, the, maybe his toupee is a little better at this point, assuming... It, I'm assuming he wore a toupee, well, I don't know. interestingly, uh, Moore had said that he was going to retire after this movie, but they did mm-hmm. convince him to come back. So he may have, that may have been like one of his contingencies on coming back is that he, you know, yeah. looked better. He gets the Doc Brown treatment, you know, a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, and actually I think, you know, Roger Moore was going to retire after For Your Eyes Only, and they cat didn't. There's, that would have been the right decision. And there's there's footage out there of people like Sam Neill uh, auditioning for the part. I think J- there's a, a James Brolin aud- audition for the part, which would have been interesting since he's an American. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, I think it was. It's on maybe the Octopussy special features. I'm not sure, but uh, there is a clip of James Brolin doing the meeting Tatiana scene from from Rush with Love. He's not. He's not terrible, actually. I, he. He. Sam Neill would have been an interesting choice too. Sam Neill would have been an interesting choice. Uh, yeah. You don't really think of Sam Neill as an action star, but no. But then again, neither is Roger Moore. That's this is true. <laughs> but yeah, so we get Roger Moore again. Um, we should say, yeah, this was the year of the dueling bonds, nineteen eighty-three. Uh, mm-hmm. 
this is the official James Bond movie. We talked about it. I think we are going to go and do Never Say Never Again and maybe some of the other unofficial movies and spoofs mm-hmm. and whatnot after we finish out all the official ones. Um, John Glenn, again, comes back to direct this time. He directed uh, Fear Eyes Only. This starts. This is continuing a run where he's going to direct a whole bunch of movies here. Um, the movie was written by somebody named George MacDonald Frazier, who I don't really know anything about. Uh, he And he's never done anything again in the franchise. Teaming up with Michael G. Wilson and Richard Maybaum, who become kind of the, the two who write all the movies up until the end of the Dalton era. And, uh, yeah, so this movie and Never Say Never Again came out around the same time. If I remember correctly, this movie did better at the box office. It did. I don't know if I would say either of them are any good. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a very long time since I've seen Never Say Never Again. So I I remember at the time thinking it was better when it was Thunderball. Um, yes. But it's been a very long time, so I I will reserve judgment until I watch it again. All right. I, yeah, I've not seen it. I've seen clips of it, but I've not seen the whole thing from beginning to end in, all, in quite a while. But yeah, this this movie, um, I think when we did our first episode, I ranked this as possibly one of my bottom three movies. And I don't know if I would keep it in the bottom three anymore. It's certainly in the bottom tier. And you mentioned Brandon and Zach's podcast. I'm going to do a shout out to other friends of ours, Bill and Dan, the Trek Geeks. Because I think the best way I can describe this movie is to borrow a phrase from Bill and say it's meh. Mm-hmm. This is this is the most meh of all the Bond films, for me at least. At least the ones we've seen so far. It's not egregiously offensively bad. It's just kind of there. No, uh, I wouldn't call it as bad as Live and Let Die or no. even Diamonds Are Forever. Right. Um, but I'd rather watch either of those than this one. Okay. This is just... There are no standout moments in this movie. <laughs> I mean, the, the, rewatching it, and I've always thought this go, leading up to it, and I'd always remembered thinking this. I, I think the film hits the high point with the mini plane scene in, in pre credits, and it in never becomes in the very beginning, and it's never <laughs> as good again. <laughs> yeah, and even that, this whole the entire pre credit sequence has problems. I think. Yeah, and to me, it just. It's not like it, it's. It feels like it's not trying very hard at this point in in the franchise. They're just kind of going through the paces. Um, yeah, it is very much a fatigue franchise. Yes, it is very much so. And I don't think that's gonna help. That's gonna change in the next movie either. It's not. Although having Christopher I mean, Walken Christopher around Walken helps, helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's about the only good thing I'll say about it. I mean, if I had to pick one to watch, I would probably watch A View to a Kill over this movie. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. That's the better theme song. Yes, it does. So I don't even know where we're supposed to be in this beginning. It's some Banana Republic somewhere. Cuba, I'm assuming? Maybe. I mean, he says he'll meet her in Miami, so yeah, that's why so I was it's... assuming Cuba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, James, We see James Bond pulling in in his little convertible Land Rover, towing a very convincing fake horse butt oh yeah i absolutely thought that was a real horse (laughs) sure yeah that was bad and you know we've already commented that roger moore is old but this get up that he's wearing in the very first scene does not help when he's wearing that no like i don't i don't know what you call that kind of hat that he's wearing but i'm sure it has a name and i'm probably just blanking on it but isn't it a 
Oh no, what is? I don't know what it's called, but my dad wears them. It's not a beret. Uh, it's it's. No, it has another name. Yeah. But my dad is also an old man, so mm-hmm. it makes sense for him to wear them. Uh, however, however, as you pointed out, pre-taping this, the hat has magical properties. The hat does have magical properties. So, as is apparently par for the course for Roger Moore, his clothes turn into other clothes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he his tweed jacket somehow turns into a khaki military jacket, <laughs> which, okay. That is bad enough, especially because it's like appears to be, you know, ni- nicely pressed and, you know everything after he puts it on but Mm -hmm. the real thing that makes no sense in you know physics is that this hat turns into the perfectly starched and standing tall military hat right like that shouldn't even be possible it's not quite as impossible as the reversible collar on the jacket which I also don't quite understand how that works uh but no yeah that doesn't work at all we see his assistant whose name escapes me uh she's there for eye candy and that's about it which is unfortunate um uh, although she does put the mustache on on him uh we find out his he's posing as somebody named toro which bond finds to be a load of bull yeah which yeah that's a line roger standard i like the other one later when we, we find out that he's impersonating somebody who's actually at the base which is bad planning on their part Yes. And his co- he, he looks at the guy and remarks, oh, you're a Toro too. Which, I don't know why I find that line kind of cute. But anyway, he's I guess he's trying to plant a bomb or something in this military yeah, base. Yeah, it's explosives. Yeah. Now, is this, is this Roger Moore stand-in playing the other guy? You know, it might be. Because it looks just like him. Well, I think that's the idea, is Bond is no. impersonating someone that he could, be, he could pass for. Sure. In the movie, I mean. Yeah, but yeah no, I, no, it I very well could be his stand-in. <laughs> Yeah, because there's more than a passing resemblance to Roger Moore for this guy. Yeah, and once he puts on the sunglasses, yeah. Yeah, like, so Bond is found out. and uh, Yeah, they drive away, but the assistant follows after them, and they apparently don't think anything weird of the other car pulling out from the same place. Right. I like, I like the whole, I'm going to pull open the parachutes, and they kind of... Mm-hmm. float away out of the thing it's I think that's, that's reminiscent kind of, a... of the scene in the ambulance in um moonraker yeah but with fewer product placement this time around and no seven up <laughs> no seven yeah there's no seven up in this movie uh <laughs> yeah bond uh we find out that surprise surprise there's no horse in this trailer no um, there's an airplane there's an airplane in this trailer also the approaching jeeps have a different distance from the trailer every time you see them Yes. In fact, there's the one scene when the plane's coming out of the trailer that the Jeep's And there are no... Yeah. (laughs) For whatever reason, I was reminded of that scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail when Sir Lancelot is running into the castle. (laughs) And they keep looking up and he just kind of keeps running and running and running and running. Yeah, and then, then, you know, this little plane takes off. Um, This plane's cool. It is. Apparently, it was supposed to be the opening for Moonraker, and they were going to do it off uh, Angel Falls. Mm-hmm. But there was a drought, and the oh, was dried up. <laughs> there was no, there were no falls. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, th- I think this works. He's trying to evade this missile that's been shot at him, and he there, there are a couple of moments he flies into the the hangar, and you can see that the rigging of how this thing is done. But I mean, that was a clever thing for him to find a way to act to still blow up the hangar though yeah 
And this is a good, I think this is a really good model shot when they blow up the hangar. You know, it, 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 it holds up. Less so when it's rear projection behind Bond, but yes. Yes. I mean, at some point we might actually get a movie where there's convincing rear projection, although I doubt it. Um, <laughs> no, we'll just get to the point where they no longer use rear projection. Well, there's some really bad green screen stuff in like Goldeneye when he's, mm -hmm. when he jumps off the cliff at the beginning and tr and somehow manages to fly into the plane. So I actually just watched Goldeneye a couple weeks ago and man, that really holds up in general. It does. It's, it's still a very entertaining movie. But we'll talk about that in a few weeks. Yeah, we'll get there. In, in typical Roger Moore fashion, of course, the plane runs out of gas, so he has to pull up to this old man at a gas station and ask for a, a fill-up here. Yeah, and yeah. it. so now I actually don't know where this place was, because, like, this gas station has all the signs in English. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah. But I do, it does, I don't know. Anyway, it was a place. And there's this guy that looks like a... A Castro wannabe picture on all of the gasoline and everything. Yes. And then we get the standard Morris Bender titles where he discovered lasers for the first time, I think. Uh, we get this little <laughs> laser outline of Roger Moore, James Bond, and it turns into the 007 logo. And we get a very 80s theme song this time out. A little bit. Yeah. We got got the sleazy, sleazy saxophone. <laughs> been stuck in my head since i watched the movie yesterday though condolences i like yeah. so i like the melody that he that barry uses in the film i don't like the the lyrics at all uh <laughs> funny how it always goes with love when you don't look you find but then we're two of a kind we So Tim Rice, who is actually Sir Tim Rice, for writing something other than this, surely. Yes, uh, he wrote a lot of lyrics for Andrew Lloyd Webber. Okay. So I read somewhere that they had a song or something and it didn't work, and then um, or they had to find a new lyricist, and they went to Tim Rice and they asked him to write the lyrics for the song, and his reaction was, "Oh, great! I get to do a Bond movie. What's it called?" Octopussy. Oh, <laughs> not great. <laughs> and this is the first time they've actually don't use the title of the movie in the lyrics, which I think is a good move. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is the first time. I don't think it happens again until, until Casino Royale, but uh, where they don't, you know, have the, the, the name. I mean, even The Spy Who Loved Me, they managed to work the line into the song. I mean, of the... Uh... Daniel Craig era, obviously, Casino Royale has the best one. Uh, yes. It's, and it's not really close either. I mean, Skyfall is fine. Yeah, I like the Adele song, but... I don't I mean, remember that... Spectre, which means it probably sucked. Um... It, it's, it's, it's Sam Smith. Um, it's not good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we'll get to it. There, there are things I like about it, and then he starts singing. Um... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so we come out of the credits to East Berlin. Why is there a circus right outside the Berlin Wall? Why not? <laughs> Isn't that the best place to put a circus? It could be. I don't know. Well, you know, it actually does make a certain amount of sense because there would be a lot of empty space there. Maybe. They would have to get, like, special, you know, but also, wouldn't there be landmines? Uh, maybe? Did they mine? Yeah, I feel like they did mine the No Man's Land at Berlin's Wall, at the Berlin Wall, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, he's not in No Man's Land here, but, I mean, I will say that, that, that little detail exactly aside, you know, I, this is another sequence I think that actually is pretty effective where it does. this guy's running it, away. It does and... work. I like the, I do like the twin, you know, assassin acrobat people. Yeah, I think they're underused. Yes. Um, and I think that's another problem with this movie, is they tried to have too many things in it. Now, is this 009 or 005? I can't remember. I think it's 009. He travels a really long way with a knife in his back. He does. I'm sorry, I was, di I was distracted by the bad day for night again. It is... There are parts where it's okay, and parts where it's terrible. Well, like, he goes... He opens the gate, and right before he's about to get knifed in the back it's clearly they're not even trying yeah well they're trying just not very well i also question 009's escape plan here when he gets knifed where he's trying to climb over this thing when he knows that they're there but anyway maybe he was hoping the soldiers would see him and like actually like apprehend him mm -hmm. that was probably his plan which means he yeah. probably shouldn't have jumped because they turned around just as he <laughs> jumped it, it, it's also very fortuitous that uh river that or whatever he causeway or whatever it is that he lands in happens to go right by the british embassy that is convenient and that they didn't lock the gates and you know anything but I, again i think you know i'm nitpicking but i think that this works the setup to this movie works and i i like the first maybe half an hour of the movie before they go to india mm -hmm. where there's this mystery around this faberge egg and it, it just doesn't go anywhere it really does in fact i'm having a similar when uh when we watched The Man with the Golden Gun, and I said, can you explain the plot of this movie in two sentences? And we couldn't do it. Mm -mm. And I feel like it's a little bit the same here, where there's so many different things happening that don't really make sense. <laughs> I'm still not com completely sure on the concept of all the, of selling all the art. Like, did he need to do that to buy the nuclear bomb? Like, why did... Yeah. I don't know. The sense I got was that Octopussy and Kemal Khan were doing this already, and they needed help. And and Burkoff, Stephen Burkoff, who's General or Orlov. Orlov. Yeah, I get him and I get Orlov and Orumov mixed up. Uh, <laughs> Orumov is the guy from Goldeneye. Yes. He's using this as a way of doing his own thing, and we'll get to General Orlov. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> something else. Yeah. Before we get to him, we have to meet Penelope Smallbone. Mm-hmm. For the first and only time. Like, it feels like they're setting her up to be someone in, someone who will return, but she doesn't. I mean, it almost feels like they're replacing Lois Maxwell with a younger woman to be Moneypenny, and then it they didn't, which is good of them not to do. I enjoy still that, even though he never wears it, Roger Moore comes in with a hat. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Roger Moore wear that hat. I think Sean Connery wore it once. Oh, no, he... Yeah, he definitely wore it. I mean, he wore oh, it... Oh, yeah, when, Sean Connery... He wore yeah, it... Like, okay, he, you mean he wore Moore it in gun barrels, it. too. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Roger Moore never wears the hat. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. We meet the new M here, who is played by Robert Brown. Yeah, and we don't really know if he's the same guy that he was in uh, The Spy Who Loved Me or not. We just... I would like to think he is, and I 
think at one point somebody refers to him as Admiral. Right, but so but M is an Admiral anyway. We don't truly know that M is not a the same person all the time until uh, Goldeneye. Right when it's Judy Dench. Um, right, and they specifically call her the new M too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have I've always assumed that he's Admiral Hargreaves, but. It would make sense. Yeah. I also have to point out that the guy that's here, I think they said his name is Jim Fanning, is like the most British guy I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. No, I looked him up. I'm like, I'm sure I've seen this guy somewhere else. But no, it's just every other British person ever. Yeah. He looks like the guy who's in every Masterpiece Theater production Mm -hmm. that has ever been put on. Again, I like that we get Frederick Gray again. I like that he's still around. Yeah. Kind of hanging around. He's a nice little bit of continuity there that we get through... Most of the Roger Moore movies, I think. Yeah, because we got him, and then we have General Google on the uh, Russian side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we find that there's this egg that's going up for auction at Sotheby's under Property of a Lady, which is a another short story title from Ian Fleming. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and it is it is around the, the egg and all that stuff is from that story. There's little bits of different Fleming stories in this movie, and I think it's part of the problem actually that they, they have all these little threads i like how they like straight up tell us the story of octopusy though yeah which is kind of cool yeah when like her backstory is the is the short story basically yeah. no that that i like a lot i feel like property of a lady could be an actual bond movie title too they could they could do something with that yeah yeah they i think they've thought about it at one point too but they're they're down to risico and 007 in new york so <laughs> I probably shouldn't use that one. No, no. <laughs> Man, could you imagine if it if that was the new movie that's coming out in November, 007 in New York? We get another one, another one of your favorite things the the completely uh, unnecessary boardroom. Oh, the Russian boardroom! Why does it turn? <laughs> Why does it rotate? Also, they stole their seats from the Enterprise D. Yeah, they did. <laughs> That, that's definitely the the con and op station seats from the enterprise but why does it rotate why i don't know why does it the screen just on the wall in front of them the whole time behind them before it rotates is a giant map screen yeah and then it rotates but we can't use that we have to use a smaller screen okay so we also need to talk about Stephen Burkov's um, <laughs> is acting the right word because I'm really not sure it is. <laughs> like he he yells every third word for some reason. Who <laughs> cling to timid, outdated, and unrealistic policies? It's like what? What are you doing? <laughs> Ever since I was a kid, the first time I saw this movie, I've been enamored with the way he goes, Czechoslovakia! (laughs) (laughs) Like, that is... He he made some interesting choices in this movie. He he did. I mean, you watch him in Deep Space Nine when he shows up as the arms dealer, and you can see a bit of this, but it's not as bad. No. Oh, man, I forgot. I can't believe I didn't mention that in my notes. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Also... Also, he's doing a German accent, right? That is not a Russian accent. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> at least it sure sounds like a German accent to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it... <laughs> uh, General Gogol is presumptuous. He speaks for himself and others who cling to timid, outdated, and unrealistic policies. Must I remind you, the committee, of our overwhelming superiority over NATO forces before we give it away? In East Germany, under my direct command, I have 31 divisions, including 11 tank divisions and another five in Czechoslovakia. We have played out a variety of attack strategies on the new Kultsov computer and find that a lightning thrust by 10 armored divisions from the north and by five more through Czechoslovakia lead to total victory in five days against any possible defense scenario. <laughs> it's, it's something, all right. <laughs> also, we were talking, I mentioned, I mentioned uh, Sean Connery kind of looking like Richard Nixon. The guy yep. next to, the, the guy who's the, I guess, is that the chairman? Yeah. The, oh, the guy next, the guy next to Gogol? Yeah, he he really <laughs> looks like Richard Nixon. Yes, like, God damn, is he wearing a Nixon mask? Is this Richard Nixon? Did Richard Nixon have a cameo in Octopussy? <laughs> At mean, some point, I should look up whether this guy played Richard Nixon in something. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he's like he's like if uh, Richard Nixon and Walter Matthau like combined. <laughs> the jowls on that combination yes oh man <laughs> wow but yeah it's a this russian boardroom is an interesting scene he also he's also doing a remarkably good job of pouting here at the end when he gets shouted down by yes gogol and, and the chairman he's <laughs> oh now one of my beefs with this movie is i think they they failed to kind of put the emphasis on the right villain, I think, in this movie. Like, who cares about Kamal Khan? Nah. And... When you have someone like Stephen Burkov acting the hell out of this guy. Yeah. Like... Well, as, put... as I wrote in my notes, Burkov is chewing scenery that hasn't been built yet. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's, it's <sighs> and it's I will admit, it is the perfect kind of ridiculous overacting for this movie. Yes. And it's, it's certainly memorable. Like, you don't mm -hmm. forget that he was in this movie. No. This is just me being weird. But, you know, we cut to a scene after this boardroom. They have There's a plaque on the wall that talks about the Kremlin Art Repository. And then the letters jump off the plaque. But they're not the same words that were on the plaque. And <laughs> I'm trying to figure out why. <laughs> <laughs> I did not notice that. Like, just show us the thing and let us read. Or... Say what, you know, anyway. Well, because it's the, it's it. Oh, no. It, yeah, you're right. Because it's even in English on the sign. Yeah. Why? Right. National <laughs> Fine Art. Why? <laughs> My guess is they made the plaque and then in post they realized that it was wrong. So they mm. put the caption on. Grishka and Mishka are here. Uh, yeah, I, I like Grishka and Mishka. They're cool. They yeah. Stay. Yeah, they, they are cool. Like they're decent. They're decent henchmen. Mm -hmm. They're better than what's his name? Oh, Oddjob Light. Indian Oddjob, yeah. Uh, Indian, yeah. Uh, Gobinda, I think his name was. Like, I don't. 
I had to watch this scene a couple times to kind of figure out what the heck's going on here when they're in this like weird art storage room. Yeah, so basically they're they've been stealing art and replacing it with fakes and then selling the real art, I guess. Is... Right. I'm not sure that's how art works, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Like, don't the Russians, like, know about these public auctions of their famous art? I mean, yeah. how how do they get away with this? Well, they're not sell. I mean, they're selling this on the market because the replica was stolen, so they have to go buy the real thing back. Right. So I, so they... I can understand why, you know, this one is different. But no, it would have been sold on the market regardless. That was the point. Yeah. So, like... How is it not raising red flags in in Russia that all of this art that's supposedly in our vault is being sold in in England? Well, I mean, I, I, the only explanation I can say is maybe they're doing this on the black market somewhere, and this is pre-computerization of things, so sales would not be reported very quickly. I guess. And, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it's not the best plan, I don't think. And we, it's never fully explained why he even needs all this money. Burkoff or Kemal Khan yeah. or who? Well, Khan just wants to make money. But right. I don't th I don't think Burkoff wants the money. I think he's embedded himself in this scheme so that he can then swap out the smuggled merchandise for a bomb when it's convenient. Because yeah. he okay. knows the circus yeah. is going to be at that airbase later. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. It's still a weird plot. It is. And then, so we see Camel Khan, who's played by Louis Jordan, who I mostly remember from a Columbo episode. I have never seen Columbo. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> uh, yeah, he and, and uh, his assistant, Magda, I think her name was, comes in. Bond starts bidding for the egg. Now, at some point, he picks up the egg and moves it under the table and then pulls it back out. Like, there's no way he would get away with this because he swaps out yeah, a real no, because it was very obvious one. that it, he hid it from yeah. view. And like, like that moment, I was like, oh yeah, he swapped that egg. But like, how did right. like the steward of the egg, who's there holding the pillow, not notice? Yeah, yeah, right. But he does. He swaps out the egg and makes them way overpay for a fake egg. Yep. And Jim Fanning looks like he has a bad ulcer at this point. He's not happy about anything that's going on here. Um, no, he really isn't. I do like this cute little thing where Bond like hails the cab and then the cab drives off and follows them. I think that's a cute little. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I like that. M is understandably not happy. No, I like when M's like, okay, you get on the next flight. He's like, I already have a ticket. Yep. Like you can tell, he's sort of playing him in a very similar way to mm -hmm. the Bernard Lee M, where he is contemptuous but also appreciative of Bond's efforts most of the time, where he. <laughs> He doesn't necessarily enjoy the way Bond goes about his business, but he knows he's good at it. Yeah. So now we are in India. We get the obligatory establishing shots of India. Well, yeah, it's the Taj Mahal, just in case you didn't realize this was India. Right. And then Bond identifies his Station I contact because he plays the Bond theme on his... Yes, he on his... does. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Charming tune. You do take English money. Only gold sovereigns. Please. 
this character is played by VJ Armitrage, who was a famous tennis player, uh, and they, they don't say that like five or six <laughs> times in this movie. Right. Uh, <laughs> he talks about how he plays tennis. Later, he beats people with a tennis racket. They really lay it on thick. Uh, yeah. Uh, he is also. Some people listening to this may also know him from a brief role in Star Trek for the Voyage Home. Mm-hmm. Where he plays the captain of a ship that's been disabled. Emergency channel 0130. It has been three hours since our contact with the alien probe. All attempts at regaining power have failed. Our chief engineer is trying to deploy a makeshift solar sail. We have high hopes that this will if successful, generate power to keep us alive. As far as stunt castings go, I'm not a big fan of these stunt casting things. I don't think he's bad. No, he's not. I don't think he's I don't think he's great, but I don't think he ever takes me out of the movie to the point where it's like I wish you had hired a real actor in this part. Yeah, no, I um, think he's fine. Yeah. It's a shame, you know, as he since he's the guy helping Bond, we know he's going to die at some point. At some point, yes. Rather I mean, you don't see it, but it, would be a rather painful way to go, I would think. I uh, question what, ha- what happens how, to him. Well, yeah, uh, I question the physics behind how that well thing, that but... thing actually works. Um... Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we'll get to that. <laughs> and we, you know, we get the obligatory. I'm checking into my hotel. I'm going to flirt with the woman that's helping me find my room, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't uh, check for wires this time. He did not. It's a shame there weren't any bugs in that room. And then. We see Kamal Khan cheating at backgammon. Yeah. Now, like obviously I, cheating at backgammon. I, 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 yeah. That, that's my point. Like this guy that he's playing with, major something or other. Um, I think they just know, call him keeps, major. Major. He he keeps playing him because he thinks he's gonna win. And I'm like, this guy is the most obvious cheat. Why are you still playing this guy? Yeah. Like, there's no way anyone can get double sixes whenever they need them. Yeah, backgammon is not a game where you can cheat like that and not be obvious with it. I don't know how you could um, cheat at backgammon. No, I mean, yeah, the loaded dice thing, but that it's like, oh, look, another double... When he's like, every time you need one, he's like, what can I say? You know, it's... Come on. The only thing I could think is if you had dice like... Uh, You've seen Ocean's 13, right? Oh, the ones that you flip? Yeah. Yeah, the ones where it's like you click a thing, it like magnetically makes them move. Like, I could see, mm-hmm. yes, then you could probably use that to cheat at backgammon. Yeah, because then Bond Because then they would it. normally roll and you'd be like, and right. what what Bond did wouldn't have worked. Right, which which is the only part about this I actually like. Or he's like, oh, well, I will just use your dice because I guess that's a rule that you can do that. That scene feels a bit like it's referencing a scene from the novel uh, Moonraker. Oh, with the with the bridge? Yes, where Bond uh, yeah, reveals yeah. to Drax that he knows he's cheating and is able to beat him. We can't let him get away with that. What was I supposed to do? Call him for cheating better than me in front of the others? Yeah, I, I liked and... that. I liked Bond, you know, getting the better of him. And then, obviously, he's like, spend it quickly. Spend the money quickly. I intend to. I I'm not a fan of Kamal Khan at all, but I do no, think he gets not. a few good sinister lines. That's probably the best one. He's a very forgettable villain, though. He is. I again, this is Bond being the most obvious 
in the world where he's like, oh, well, here's an egg I, that you want. I'm going to put that here as my bet, you know. And and he also uses his real name. Of course he does. <laughs> and yeah, I referred to Gobinda, I think I think it's Gobinda, uh, as an odd job light to the point where he crushes the dice the same way that he crushed the golf ball in Goldfinger. That mm-hmm. always reminds me of that. Bond's just being a dick here where he beats Khan and then he's Khan starts writing up the check he's like I prefer cash and then just twisting the knife a little bit which is kind of fun but well it does uh, work out later when he gets stabbed in the cash the, well the cat the cash comes in handy later on yeah yeah and we get uh tennis rackets here in this chase in the yes I mean this chase is pretty good actually I I enjoy it the thing I don't like is the stupid cuts to the crowd where they're doing the tennis thing where they look one way and then they look the other way yeah that's dumb <laughs> did we mention vj armitage played tennis uh <laughs> yeah i like the chase scene when they're when he's in the the taxi thing yeah i don't like it when they reach the uh the the avenue of indian stereotypes <laughs> yeah that said i did kind of like when he hands the sword back to the sword swallower he's like you better put that back yeah <laughs> yeah okay that's good <laughs> Yeah, like they throw the guy on the obviously fake nails on the guy that lies on nails because that's what people do in India. Uh, get off my bed. To the point where he, had, he get off my bed. Uh, yeah. How often it, do they need to run from people that they have this breakaway poster with replacements ready to go? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. That That's a good question. I do like the gag earlier when he gets the the torch and he's like throwing it at the guy who has the sword or whatever and then he just tosses the guy the torch at the guy and he has to catch it and then he punches him i thought that was clever. yeah that was good the breakaway poster thing i i don't get like it works but why is it there is this such a common occurrence and if it is a really common occurrence eventually they're going to catch on <laughs> it, it sort of reminds me of raiders of the lost ark when they drive the truck through the little thing and then the awnings come down and it's a market yes i don't know if that was intentional or not but uh maybe we, we get a continuation of the uh what has been happening a lot in the roger moore era of uh q's lab goes on location and builds all these ridiculous things that serve no purpose and q is not happy about it no like i'm, <laughs> I'm like q's complaining about being down here i'm like why are you even down here q you didn't need to be you could have just sent one of your underlings with the gadgets bond needed well we want desmond llewellyn in the movie sure yes yeah and we have to see the murdering door which is almost not quite but almost as bad as the stinging in the in the rain umbrella yes uh you have the you have the rope thing that doesn't quite work and you so you can get the stupid pun thing of trouble keeping it up cue or whatever he says Mm -hmm. um and then you get the most egregious sexist thing in pretty much the entire focusing the camera directly on the boobs yep the boob cam and zooming in and out, which is just awful. Yeah, and I really don't like how the the, the woman's just, you know, grinning at it. Like Yeah. Uh... Well and then VJ's like, oh that's funny. Oh god, that's awful. Yeah. It's bad. That's the worst moment in the movie, and there are a lot of bad moments in this movie. There are significantly a lot, yeah. That's yeah. a weird thing to say. But yes, there are a lot of bad moments. Significantly a lot, yeah. <laughs> Um, we find out that Bond arrives back at his hotel and his guest is waiting for him at dinner. 
by and he's led there by a man with a magnificent mustache. It is quite the mustache. Like, man, that must take a lot of effort to keep a mustache like there's that. There's a lot of there's a lot of wax in that mustache. Yeah, there is. As someone who earlier this year actually went a few months trying to grow out a mustache that I had to wax every day. That's a lot of work. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I've never tried to do that. And I wasn't I even to... trying to do a mustache like that. I was just trying to grow a mustache, and I had to wax it to keep it from sticking out all over the place. But anyway, that yeah, that requ- that would require a lot of effort every day to like make that mustache look pristine. <laughs> but it's worth it because it's it's a that is a mustache that's in the same league as the side the sideburns on that guy in uh, Diamonds Are Forever. I think. Yes. It's a pretty good mustache. So you get this scene here with Magda and Bond. This is one of those things where it becomes really icky that Roger Moore is 55 or something like that. Um, like He's constantly sleeping with women who are way younger than him, which, you know, I yeah. guess it's fine. But uh, I mean, in and of itself, that's okay, but it becomes a trope yeah. and it's just creepy. And like, I have trouble imagining like in the real world that women that so many younger women would be so irresistibly attracted to him we get the weird like little octopusy tattoo line here that's my little octopusy (sighs) how bad would this movie have been if that was the only thing like if there wasn't a person named octopusy (laughs) if that was the only (laughs) that was the reason for the title yeah that oof Wait. Again, they had to work it in somehow. They're running through the titles. James um, Bond yeah. in New York. James Bond in New York. <laughs> or or 007 in New York too. Oh, right? sorry. Yeah, 007. It's, in it's New been York. it's been published. I think it's been published both ways. But. Uh, and I do like her, you know, descent down from the balcony. It's convenient that it was exactly the right length for that. Yeah, that's that's really well planned. She does hide the egg behind her back while standing in front of a giant mirror, though. Yes, I, I, I wrote that down. I'm like, does she? She does know she's standing in front of a mirror, doesn't she? <laughs> like, I mean, it works because Bond wants her to steal the egg because he wants to follow them, right? But which he conveniently gets taken to them anyway. Mm-hmm. That happens a lot, though. Yes. Well, because the villain has to invite Bond to dinner. Is there a Bond film where the villain doesn't invite Bond to dinner? Uh, Actually, uh, Goldeneye. I, don't I mean, Le Chief does not invite him to dinner. Yeah, that's uh, true. He in- takes him other places, but um, yeah, I... He never goes to dinner in, in Goldeneye. Or, um, true. Or, uh, I'm trying to think, in all of them? In mo- it's a very common Bond movie trope. Yeah. But I mean, imagine the plot of goldfinger if goldfinger didn't take him everywhere he needed to go very good point <laughs> or if goldfinger hadn't made that special room just to ex- just to reveal his plan to what people <laughs> he's about to kill <laughs> yeah this would be why i thought you were going to have comments on the boardroom because i think that started me realizing you have a thing with boardrooms uh, <laughs> that boardroom is insane it is uh, so we're taking the egg to Octopussy's hideout island. Octopussy's garden. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I don't. I don't. I don't know if you've ever seen the '80s TV show, The Greatest American Hero, but 
I have not. He shares a tailor with the guards that guard Octopussy's uh, palace here. Okay. There's um, some interesting guards. I'll give them that. I I find it so interesting when Khan is talking to Octopussy. Mm-hmm. And he's describing Bond, and he says he likes eggs, preferably Fabergé, and dice, preferably loaded. Dude, those were your freaking dice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He caught you cheating. Just, yeah. (laughs) And we know, based on the fact that she pauses while feeding her octopus, that she recognizes the name James Bond. Because, again, Bond is terrible at being secret. (laughs) Yes. So, Bond wakes up in a room where he's being held captive, and it's like the middle of the day, and he's like, dinner, 8 o'clock. He's like, what is he supposed, is he just supposed to sit there doing nothing all day? I guess. I mean, I forgot that this guy spoke. <laughs> it, he, ha- he, he has like a couple, a couple scenes, and he, and, he, and he just has a normal voice, like he's, mm-hmm. he, you'd expect him to like grunt or something, because that's what Bond henchmen do. And then we get the scene that's right out of Temple of Doom. Yeah. Although for a souffle that can't wait to be eaten, they eat like one bite of it and then send it back. I do wonder how good good or not those eyes actually are. I don't know. I mean... I've never eaten an eye. For somebody who's a bit of a gourmand, I don't think Bond would have been revolted by this. No. I mean, Willie Scott is one thing, but James Bond is another when you're doing a thing of let's make fu- let's make fun of these people for... Well, I mean, he didn't scream at it, but yes... No, he didn't. But you could tell he didn't exactly want to eat it either. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I... We could do a whole podcast about how much I hate Temple of Doom, but we don't need to. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is it worse than Crystal Skull? Yes. Okay. Temple of Doom is my least favorite Indiana Jones movie. All right. I would rather talk about that than this movie, but we can't. So. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> But if we did an Indiana Jones podcast, I feel like the level of quality versus not quality would still be pretty similar. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> I mean, it only has a 50% success rate. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, in this movie, Bond uses Chekhov's acid to get out of the hotel room. Which I'm fine with, but what are these bars made of? Something that gets dissolved in acid, obviously. No, no, no. I'm I'm more concerned about the fact that they're either made out of lead or something very, very, very soft. Oh, that he can bend them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that is an interesting thing. Also, like, they're not, like... If you look at where he pulled the one off, there isn't, like, part of the bar left behind. Like, those bars mm-hmm. are barely attached to the concrete. They're, like, welded right. to it or something. Anyway, Bond sneaks out... Now discovers the Russian connection. I, I don't know how I feel about the gag, but part of it is funny to me and part of it isn't where he's using the, the bug thing and then she starts using the hairdryer and it doesn't work anymore. It's mildly amusing. As somebody who, and I don't know if that's still a problem, but when I was growing up and probably when you were growing up too, um, this would happen a lot where I'd be watching TV and my mom would be using like a blender or something and it would interfere with the television. Oh, yeah. I, re- I recognize this problem. I don't know if it's still a problem I mean, anymore. This is actually not, still but... a problem even today. Um, you can kill a Wi-Fi signal by turning on a microwave. Okay. 
radio radiation interference or whatever. Yeah, microwave and uh, traditional Wi-Fi both operate on two at two point four gigahertz, which yeah, they microwave pr- produces a lot more. That's why, you, and that's one of the reasons you get a dual band. Yes. Uh, well, Wi-Fi. That and, you know you can just get faster speeds with five gigahertz anyway. But yes. Yeah. Okay. This is where they destroy the real egg, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yes, because the general was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> destroy this fake um, yeah. I do like Khan's face when he does that yeah you'd think Khan would have done something yeah he just sort of grimaces but he doesn't say no don't do it uh, yeah or you idiot that was the real egg yeah so he can find the bug uh, Gobenda killed these guys really quickly yeah, he did. Hung them up like racks of meat, which is kind of gruesome. Yeah, why did he hang them up? I don't understand. I, d- I don't know. Well, because they're... I think they get sent down as if they were meat or something like that in those bags. Right. Okay. I guess. But yeah, it's way, it's how Bond gets to escape because he can sneak into one of those body bags. He can hide in it until he's about to be dumped over the side and then he sits up and goes, and free- yeah. <laughs> Which is just ludicrous. <laughs> Yes. In fact, actually, I had to go back and do it again just to make sure. Did that really just happen? Yeah, it was pretty bad. And he and kicks the guy, and then he rips himself out of the bag. And and he runs right into the hunt for him. Mm-hmm. That was convenient. And he stops a tiger from eating him by telling it to sit. Right. Anyone who's ever owned a cat knows that wouldn't work, period. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah, and then he's hiding in the bushes. I do like when the snake <laughs> crawls on him and he goes, hiss off. That was good. Yeah, that, that's a good line. And then he, he runs into American tourists. This would have been an excellent J.W. Pepper moment. Oh, no. No. <laughs> it would have been a great opportunity for it. Yeah, except Tom Mankiewicz wasn't writing these then, so. Yeah. But it, I mean, it would have worked. You you failed to you forgot about the part when before he gets to the American tourists when he swings on the vines and does the Tarzan yell. I was trying to forget that. <laughs> <laughs> Some things cannot be forgotten in this movie. Why does he do the yell? He's trying to hide from these people. I know. <laughs> yeah. I like the woman that comes up to him and makes some comment, and he's like, "No, ma'am, I'm with the economy tour." <laughs> yes. Are you part of our group? <laughs> The Cincinnati Moose Lodge. <laughs> they have their own banner on their tour boat? Why? Yeah, yeah I, get, I, I don't know. That's a very detailed drawing of the octopus lo- of the octopus tattoo in his little notebook. It is. I want to point out to that. Um, I'm a little confused about why VJ Armitage is giving him a shoulder rub at this point. It's a little weird. We'll go with it. We'll go with it. Well, it's not as weird as his outfit, but... <laughs> his outfit looks very tennis. Oh, you mean Bond's? The towel outfit? No, no, I, I'm I'm mostly thinking of the, the baby blue pants that VJ's wearing. That just feels like tennis outfit to me. I enjoy the when these things happen when they hire an actor and then I, I always in my in my head I'm always thinking that well, this person's never gonna remember another name, so they named him VJ. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like it's like Tony Danza and everything he ever did, his name was Tony. Well that's like a standard thing in sitcoms too. Yeah, like, yeah. For whatever reason, you get the sitcom, you get the, you know, D-list actor to play the main character in the sitcom, and then 
the first the the character will always have the same name. Yep. But yes. Anyway, uh, also in the background, Q never learned how to use a home row on a keyboard. <laughs> no, he is uh, he's hunting and pecking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be fair, a man of Desmond Llewellyn's age would probably type like that. Oh yeah, no, you're absolutely in 1983. He, he wouldn't have had type. He wouldn't have had typing in school. But I'm sorry, I cut you off as you introduced the best James Bond gadget ever. <laughs> the crocodile boat. Crocodile boat. I like how it has a little windshield inside the crocodile's mouth. Yes, I know. <laughs> how does he see where he's going when the when it's not open? It's an excellent question. I, I feel like this is them saying pigeon on the head to breathe through, like snorkel, snorkel pigeon from... Goldfinger, well, we'll one up that. Yeah, because the crocodile eyes aren't don't don't have windows. They're they're no. painted white. I have no idea how he sees. Maybe he doesn't. That's why he has to keep opening. <laughs> there Maybe is the just... naked lady that gets out of the pool. I told you. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And you see her like turning around, and yeah, I think it was definitely more obvious when I watched it on my Apple TV in 4K. But yes, I would. Yeah. I, I would bet money that that's not Maud Adams. That is almost certainly not Maud Adams, yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, Maud Adams is in this movie. Yeah. I think she's the first person to come back. And she comes back in the next movie, too. Yes. For the life of me, I cannot remember where, because I haven't seen it in a nah, while. No, it's been but... a while. I only know that because I read the trivia on this movie. Ah, okay. They were concerned about bringing her back, because they had never brought back a brought back someone before but like i feel like that concern was unwarranted when they've already used the same actors for different things yes like there's what's his name who was a terrible blofeld charles gray yes yeah mr henderson becomes blofeld yeah yeah Uh, for whatever reason i've always brought up shane rimmer every time he shows up Um, (laughs) and now we get the story of octopussy right Two things bother me about this scene. Um, mm-hmm. The first is that's a terrible way to shake a martini. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm here for the pedantry. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the you know, I, I, like you said, I like the fact that they work the story into her backstory. Her dad named her Octopussy. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. I mean, that's that's a little weird. I do like how they, you know, modernized the story a bit. So it was Chinese gold seized in North Korea instead of Nazi gold. Yes, that's that's true. Because she would be pretty old then if it yeah. had been Nazi gold. Also, like, I wonder if they deliberately do that because they didn't want people to think about Goldfinger, too. Oh, because of the Nazi gold. Yeah. yeah. Although I wonder how much people... Because, like, I mean, we just watched Goldfinger a couple months ago. But, like... In 1983, how many people would have seen Goldfinger recently? Mm, that's true, because it's not like you can watch it whenever you want, like we can now. I mean, there were so. some rich people with VCRs in 1983, but it's not like they were ubiquitous yet. No, I mean, they, and they were very large and pretty expensive at this point, so. Yeah. So Kamokan hires a bunch of thugs. And makes sure that they cannot kill... Yeah, make sure that they cannot kill Octopussy. And this is India, so they may be, like, literal thugs. Mm Mm-hmm. They might be. I mean, the Uh, guy that has, like, the scar on his eye. The guy who just always laughs. 
Yeah. He has a bit of a thuggy look to him, doesn't he? He does. Uh, and then we the guy with the saw blade yo-yo. Like, how yeah. does that possibly spin fast enough to be a saw? I don't think it does. <laughs> I also like when he always goes to catch it with his other hand and then they cut away so that you don't see that that would be a bad idea. A little bit. To, like, I still feel like they're trying to figure out the plot of this movie here because i still don't know what's going on and what i mean i know what's going on i just don't know how it fits together at this point and i i I like these scenes with maud adams and roger moore i mean aside from him being a little too old for her i think they have decent chemistry at least he's not as too old for her as he is for the other for you know the other bond girls he's been with recently so true right it works better i mean i say that right up until the point where he essentially rapes her here yeah which i suppose is par for the course for maude adams in a bond movie well he didn't rape her in that one but he did kind of assault her didn't he yeah um yeah i'm not a fan of this whole i'm going to forcibly kiss you until you change your mind business here um i like the octopus bed the octopus bed is good you get a very slow pant that that's actually a clever cut the push into the chandelier and then you get the sparkles on the water from the Thing. That's, yeah that's so that works that works uh, yeah this is a terrible cover here they're just gonna hang out on the bank and pretend to fish for yeah that's hours why he dies that. yeah oh yeah vj dies here <laughs> he gets uh buzz saw yo-yoed yeah and then we see weeds approaching the the shore which surely means there's people in the weeds yes of course they destroyed the octopus bed here sadly r.i.p octopus bed they destroy a lot of things. They do. I mean, the one guy gets the octopus on his face. That octopus was not messing around. Also, I feel like that guy would have been dead from getting his face smashed through a thick uh, aquarium like that. Or at least yeah. concussed to the point where he would not be reacting to an octopus on his face. Well, he won't react too long. No. But Bond manages to get away in his crocodile. And this is where we find but, that But AJ he dead. does fake his death here. Yeah. Yes, Bond does fake his death so that Octopussy thinks he's dead. Mm -hmm. And now we have the interminable circus. Yes, we do. Like, it's worth pointing out that there is almost an hour left to this movie. Yeah. (laughs) We, we We have an hour left in this movie, but we still don't know what the caper is. Yep. <laughs> also, and I think his name is Carl. Why, or... M's driver why is he so like no problem that is weird and I think his name is Carl <laughs> yeah okay cause we're in Germany yes, so it's of Carl. his name is Carl but it's Carl with a K <laughs> of course like and the way Bond reacts it's almost like you're supposed to recognize him like maybe he's actually one of Khan's men or something but no he's just yeah. there yeah <laughs> and like M looks back at the car like oh did something bad happen here and no it's just an extra who's not very good at acting. This is also a very lame circus, I will say. I've never been to a circus. Okay. But, yeah, I've seen better circuses in movies. Like, how many people actually get excited by people that get shot at the cannons? I feel like this is all. these are all the things that you expect of a circus, but because you expect them from a circus, they wouldn't be that exciting. Well, they are East German, so they're probably told to be excited. 
Ah, good point. Good point. I mean, I do like when Bond's wandering around and the one guy tells him to sit down and then he sits down with like all these army guys. Yeah, that was good. I mean, who's, I don't know who's at the circus, but anyway. So while Bond is... Magda looks like she's sort of... Yeah, she's doing stuff. Yeah. She does just kind of disappear from the proceedings at some point, though. So while Bond is sneaking around the circus, we get a brief cut back to the Kremlin art place. Because Gogol is apparently on to them and discovers the fake jewels. Yep. This poor guy. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've said this about every movie, but I really do like Gogol. Gogol's great, yeah. I'm wondering, is the Romanoff star a real thing? I, well, that one's not, but... <laughs> we're we're going to play this train car switcheroo thing. Why? Here. Okay, this is... <laughs> there has to be an easier way to do this. You would think. I mean, I guess they're welding this thing in because that way they can't steal from it, although it seems to be pretty easy to unweld. It did, yeah. Which is why it seemed unnecessary to swap the train cars. <laughs> yeah, because they're already going to swap out the cylinder anyway. Yeah, but I suppose it makes it easier for Bond to hide. True. And he kills one of the twins. I forget which one. Grishka, I think. Uh, Grishko, yeah. Is it Grishko? I thought it was Grishka. Grish, no, Grishka. Yeah, Grishka. Mishka and Grishka. Yeah. It's like Hans and Franz. Uh... <laughs> here to pump you up <laughs> i mean it's convenient that the atomic bomb is the same shape and size as that cylinder that they've been smuggling stuff in although yeah that works out really well yeah and this is where bond gets uh gets to find out the entire story yep which at least at this point he holds him at gunpoint and asks him rather than you know the other way around <laughs> yeah yeah well, but he, but earlier on, he does do a bit of, like, hiding under the model where he's watching them put the bomb in the train and listening yes. to explain how the, how the detonator works and all that stuff. So that that is straight out of uh, hiding under Fort Knox model. Yes, it is. And I, I like this scene with, I mean, it's, it's about as underseated as Stephen Burkoff gets. Mm -hmm. And I think he plays the scene well. Like, I like his, the, his reaction when Bond says, well, don't you think they're going to retaliate? And he's like, against who? Yeah, like no one's gonna know who did this, and like he could have he could have gone over the top with this scene, and I think he does a good job with it. He does. It's about the only scene that he underplays, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. So we have standard car chases because obviously, does a car have the same axle width as a train? In fact, I believe they deliberately do not. Okay, because I I have questions about this whole section here. This would have been a great place to use the 007 theme, but they don't. Yes, I miss the 007 theme. I I enjoy I enjoy Bond like trying to steer at one point when they put him on the other track. Yes. We get some bad we get some bad undercranking and some bad reprojection here. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's model work in a lot of cases here. Um, and then a, another train comes and hits the car, and I don't quite understand the physics of what happens to this car. So not a normal car is not the same width, although the, you okay. get an adapter. There are vehicles that are designed to do both. Okay, so so we'll just say that Orlov's car was designed to ride on trains. Obviously, yeah. And another okay. thing: don't drive on railroad tracks. <laughs> Sorry, I feel the need to There's reference a... better movies. Okay. Anyway, uh... that's that is fine. 
Anyway, yeah, so Bond has to get off the car real quick because it's about to get hit by a train and we have this we have the oh so common car hits some random passerby's stuff and destroys it yeah i mean i don't know what they threw at that boat but that's a pretty dangerous stunt yes yeah because i mean that's a real yeah i mean i think he's okay yeah he kind of jumps out of the frame so we'll never really know Google finds the tra- that car in the water and finds the cylinder with the jewels in it and this is where mishka finds out that bond has killed grishka yeah, he's not happy about that. He is not. Oh yeah, and this is where Orloff runs after the train and gets killed. Yes, he does, but he'll be a hero in the Soviet Union. Apparently. Like Okay, I'm sorry, this is not again, where Mishka finds out the Bond killed Grishka. No, 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 that's later. That's later. Because Bond gets in the gorilla suit. <sighs> how? And then how does he get out of the gorilla suit? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. And he, he's he's in the gorilla suit until he's not. You know, the plot doesn't want him to be in the... I like how when they say the time is 11.45, Gorilla Bond checks his watch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know, right? Also, does this timer have, like, some sort of atomic clock in it or something? Because it's not displaying a time when they no. tell it what time to go off. Like, there's... He yeah. puts 3.45 in and then hits the button and, yeah, it shows that it's going to be four hours. But nowhere on it th- did it indicate that it knew what time it was. <laughs> but, anyway. Now we have Bond on the roof of the train with a whole bunch of not Roger Moore doing stunts. And a lot of bad rear projection. Yeah. It reminds me, actually, a movie that I'm sure you haven't seen uh, called The Great Train Robbery. I have not. There's a similar sequence like this, of, ironically starring Sean Connery. That he actually did do a whole bunch of stunts around like bridges and overpasses and things. It's really well hmm. done. This is not this is not that movie. Uh, <laughs> I noticed. Yeah, there's a lot of not Roger Moore in this movie. There is now. Mishka finds out about Grishka. Yeah, and he and he's gonna kill Bond. Oh, he's definitely gonna kill Bond until he doesn't. That guy with the sword is terrible, by the way. <laughs> um, I mean, we get. A lot of running on a soundstage here. Yes. Once again, we get, you know, you could kill Bond, but you have to pin his his sleeve four times. Yep. And that's how he dies. Because Bond opens the door. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, who are the young Colombians? I don't know who the young Colombians are. U.S. Air okay. Force. They have a banner. They have a banner. But... <laughs> Feldstadt. I don't know what Feldstadt means. Uh, it's, I mean, it's probably German for something, but... <laughs> yes, I figured that much. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks, Carl. Uh, <laughs> Great help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Francisco the Fearless. Feldstadt is Field City. Okay, I'm assuming it means... It's probably U.S. Air Force. It's for the base. It just refers to the base. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. German... Bond runs... Every German noun is a compound noun. It's... This is true. Yes. You know what the German word for cotton is? No. Baumwoll. It means tree okay. wool. That makes sense. <laughs> Does it, though? I mean... Sure-ish. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh... <laughs> Here, here, we we see Bond run into a bunch of asshole teenagers. Yeah, I like that. And and then into the most German people imaginable. Sure. <laughs> They've got beer, you know, they're German. 
we're gonna we're we're driving our VW Bug. We're gonna offer you a sausage. We're gonna offer you some beer. But hey, he needs to get to the circus. I like how he's not able to get to the phone because the lady's in the phone booth, so he takes her car instead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was good. And then it is, you know, not at all suspicious that Khan has to leave the audience. Not at all. Do they ever explain why he is in on the plan to blow up the base? I don't think so. Okay. Presumably he was being paid a lot. My guess is that Orloff assu- needed assist needed his assistance. Sure. I mean, and Gobinda was there putting in the timer and all that stuff. That makes sense, I guess, but Yeah. So when Bond gets to the Air Force base and mm-hmm. drives through, he, you know, gets caught on the chain and rather than the chain breaking, which would make sense, or something bad <laughs> happening to his car, which would make sense, he mm-hmm. pulls the concrete pillar apart. <laughs> yeah. How much power does this car have? You know, maybe we have a, a no-bid contract on the concrete uh, for... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Here we get probably the most infamous moments in a Bond film, where we get James Bond as a clown. It's not great. It's not great, but again, I don't think it's as bad as some other things. Fair. Because it he has to sneak into the tent, into a circus... And it works out well because he's dressed just like the other clown and that's who they arrest. Yeah. And he tries to tell them there's a bomb and no one believes him until he exposes I mean, the bomb. This this Air Force guy is an idiot. But, oh, yeah. I mean, he's an American, so of course they're going to make him an idiot. And, and of course, he pulls the bomb out right before the detonation. Of course, because that's what you do. <laughs> like, for a movie that took an hour and a half to get to the point of what they were trying to do it's over rather quickly yes and now we have the denouement which is just sort of meh yeah i mean part of it is i don't care about kamal khan yeah and i and i don't care about gobinda we have you know the the usual let's have a siege on the headquarters here we get more gratuitous breast shots for reasons uh (laughs) And, yeah, I mean, this is a whole scene, I guess. I don't know. I, Which one? Which one? I, this everything. <laughs> I have I stopped caring about this movie, like, an hour ago. Um, right. I'm sorry, I'm just having trouble, like, even caring. Uh, but, yes. Like, like, ge- like, once General Orloff dies, like, he's... Yeah. He is the, he is the, the mastermind. It's, it's, it's not Louis Jordan. I mean... No one cares about Louis Jordan. We do get the Union Jack air, hot air balloon here. Yes, it's it's power. It, I, I hope you know how to run this queue. It runs on hot air. Oh, then you're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More Sony equipment, too. Oh, yeah. Gotta have we the Sony We haven't had Sony for a little while. Yeah. I like how the women all... I, I, I like how Bond has to shoot the thing off the end of the null post so he doesn't get, you know... Yes, that's that's a good touch. I'm not sure if it's a good touch, but it's amusing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, when is this taking place? Like, what time of day? Uh, day, uh, night, except for that scene where they're, except for when it suddenly becomes day again. Like, they don't even try to do day for night. They just straight up change to day. It, it's sort of like that scene when, in Fear Eyes Only, when he's chasing, uh, Locke in the car. Mm-hmm. Up the stairs. 
and it just randomly will change from day to night. Yeah. I mean, I guess we have to go after him because they've kidnapped Octopussy and we need to save her at this point. I guess. Um, I like how the the women swarm around Q, and he's like, we have mm-hmm. a time for that. Later, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yes, the Khan and is taking off in his plane, so Bond jumps on the plane from his horse. Yep. And he's trying to, like, destroy the plane by... On pl- uh, disconnecting the wiring for the engines so he sends out that I don't mind so much no that's fine I don't believe that he would actually have held onto the plane this whole time to get to that though no but Roger Moore's stuntman is I, I will say this is these are pretty darn good stunts they are and I, I do enjoy him bending back the antenna and then you know plinking him in the face <laughs> yes uh this, the the tension in the sequence is somewhat hampered by Louis, Louis Jordan's interesting acting choices when he's pretending to fly the plane. Yes. But yes, Gobinda gets whacked in the face with an aerial. Now, I can't tell if this is a British movie thing or it's just a James Bond movie thing. But we all know the Wilhelm scream. Yeah. I mean, it's very famous. Mm-hmm. There are, there's a scream that shows up in every James Bond movie. And it's the scream Gobinda makes when he falls. I mean, it's not in every movie, but it's this it's the scream that Gobinda makes when he falls off the airplane. Interesting. And if you go back, like in Moonraker, when he wrestles the guy when at the beginning when he fall, jumps out of the or gets pushed out of the plane without a parachute and he res, wrestles the parachute away from the guy, he makes this that guy makes the same scream. <laughs> I think in The Living Daylights, when he, at the end, when he fights, uh, what's his name? The the blonde guy. And he falls out of the airplane. It's the same scream again. Yeah, I had never noticed that. I'm going to notice it now, I'm sure. So, anyway, long story short, Bond makes... Bond and Octopussy jump out of the plane right before it crashes. And then... Bond apparently has a bunch of broken bones, but they're all healed by the magical power of horniness. <laughs> yes. You know, we've remarked uh, or when we were doing Thunderball about how abrupt the end of that movie is. Yes. I think this is even worse. <laughs> I feel like this one actually has more of an end, though. Because uh, we have the scene with an M's office, which mean, which is more than we got in Thunderball. Thunderball, it was just like, oh, that's boom, true. It's over. Thunderball's the the weird thing where they're flying where they're like flying through the air on the for yeah, yeah. Thunderball just ends very yeah. oddly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like oh nope, I was just my my wounds are now healed. The end. Yep. Well, that was a movie. Oh, it, and it we do get was. James Bond will return in From of You to a Kill because that was the working right. title for it. And well, inter- that was the name. Of, that's the name of the short story. And interestingly, this is the final James Bond film in which we learn what film James Bond will return in. After this one, I think it's just James Bond will return or Mm -hmm. something along those lines. Yeah. Now, you know, the title is a thing. The title is a thing. We get very creative names of movies now, like Spectre. (laughs) I mean, I do like No Time to Die. That's a good title. Mm Mm-hmm. It is a t- it is a good title. However, I I still feel like it was one of those like if you had a random James Bond title generator, yeah, that's one that it might kick out. 
you get the word time and the word die in it. You know, it's just, I don't know. Tomorrow never dies. You know, whatever. And at some point, the movie's actually going to come out. November 20th. I mean, something could change between now and then, but I doubt it. We seem to more or less have reached equilibrium with the situation. I suspect it'll st- it will still come out at the same time. Uh, I think the great irony is um, the way that we're recording and everything, this will come out after the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, it will. <laughs> so but, if we're completely wrong about that, let us know. <laughs> yeah, please. We'd love to hear that we were completely wrong back on in early September when we record this. So I need to ask you a question. Yeah. Having talked through this movie, mm-hmm. um, you've, you're on record as saying that Roger Moore is your favorite James Bond. Yeah. Why? I like him. <laughs> I, 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 hey, uh, you know, he had three decent movies. Um, <laughs> yeah. I really and I, I would and, and shooting fifty percent is about the best you can do. I think. Is yeah, I Roger Moore. There's a there's a suave, civilized nature to Roger Moore that the other Bonds don't have. Pierce Brosnan has it a little bit. Uh, Pierce Brosnan is the closest, and Pierce Brosnan is also my probably my second favorite Bond. Uh, and it, it's because I think he channels Roger Moore quite a bit. Uh, I don't know. I just really enjoy the way he plays the character this is a terrible movie though (laughs) yeah and i think you know paralleling him with with brazen is a good one because i think they both never got the got to live up to the potential that they could have brought to the role except maybe one or two times yeah we're gonna have some interesting times when we do the Brosnan years because I yes. love all four of those movies, but I recognize that only one of them is good. <laughs> I I too think that, yeah, yeah, the world is not enough. That's a great one. Uh, yeah, that was the one I was thinking of. Sure, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would probably be my second favorite of of the four. It's nowhere. It's not a good movie, but it's a fun movie. Oh, yeah. Christmas okay. comes twice yeah. this year. Uh, but, uh... Oh. <laughs> Worst line in cinema history. And I love Die Another Day. It's terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. It, the, the Like, everything about it is awful and over-the-top and ridiculous and zany, and I love it. It's like, what if we did a Bond script where everything was a one-liner? Yes, basically. <laughs> There is no dialogue in that movie. It's all (laughs) one-liners. The guy who gets diamonds stuck in his face. Uh, (laughs) Liver none too good. Oh, it's definitely him then. Tubby Stevens is secretly Korean. Uh, (laughs) The only thing I don't like about Die Another Day is the terrible Madonna song. And then then they went all in by giving her a role. I, I'm fine with her role. I thought she was fine in that. Yeah, it's not bad. It's it's not bad. Yeah. That song though. Ugh. So you're saying the 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 parasailing scene is good? I'm not saying it's he, good. Or the the windsurfing or whatever you want to call I'm it. I'm saying I can watch it and enjoy it because I'm laughing hysterically at how terrible it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. 
I haven't seen that movie in so long. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it. I think I saw it in the theater and was like, no. It's one of the few I don't think I've ever actually put the disc into the, the player to watch. Fun fact, it and Star Trek Nemesis were in the theater at the same time. Yeah. If you want to think about, you know, this is how, how mighty franchises can fall. Uh... <laughs> and they almost did kill the they franchises. They both almost killed yeah. their franchises. <laughs> actually, no, Die Another Day did well. Uh it MGM did well. is what almost killed the Bond franchise. Well, that's true, because uh, they, they went bankrupt. Uh, yeah. Die Another Day performed well, though. You know, I'm glad, though, we didn't get another one like it. I'm sad that they never did a, the fifth Brosnan film like he was contracted to do, but... I worry that a fifth Brosnan film, we would have gotten... He would have started to be like Roger Moore is in his last couple movies, though. True. He, he was getting a little older by mm-hmm. that point. Like, the, I mean... We've made fun so many times of Sean Connery, but the difference between Pierce Brosnan and Goldeneye and Die Another Day is quite stark. Yes. Although, I mean, part of that is because it took them three or so many years to do a film rather than back in the, back in the Connery days. They were doing them every year. Yeah, but on the other hand, like, look at um Daniel Craig, who started oh, in, what, yeah. 2007? Mm-hmm. Or was it 2006? 2006, yeah. actually. Yeah. Uh, so that's been 14 years. Yeah, and he's done four movies. Yeah. Well, fifth coming out, but... Yeah, still. I mean, he doesn't look... He looks older, but not, like, horrendously so. Right. But I suppose he already had, like, the craggy look when he started. He did. I mean, I think one of the... We'll get there, but I think one of the biggest mistakes they made was go from Casino Royale, you know, new guy, learning the ropes... Maybe we promoted him too soon. Two movies later, he's old and washed up. Yeah. And I understand part of that is the circumstances around it where he was... He should have... He, he died, let's be honest. He did not survive falling off of that train. I mean, the only Bonds who haven't aged out of the role were Lazenby and Dalton. Right. The others really couldn't have continued making movies. I mean, Sean Connery tried. Sean Connery actually clearly could have, but... like He, he just like, didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> he was so bored. Yeah, because Sean Connery aged backwards between... Yeah, but still. <laughs> but those are other movies. Um, those are other movies. Do you have anything Do you have anything else you want to say about Octopussy, or are we... Uh, I never want to say anything about, <laughs> else about Octopussy again. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for listening to us this week. If you would like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at Podspiel, or you can send us an email at spielpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at listening to film, and you can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. So, I uh, guess next week we will talk about View to a Kill. Yes, we will from a View to a Kill. Or <laughs> wait, no. <laughs>